the title of the sermon this morning is the power of song. And we're taking it and we're in the series of God Gave a Song. Last Sunday, or the last time I spoke, we spoke on the first and the last songs in the Bible. Exodus chapter 15, where the children of Israel cross the Red Sea, and uh, the Pharaoh's army and all of them were drowned in the Red Sea. God gave these uh, Israelites victory after hundreds of years in slavery. Thank God. Thank God. There was this great rejoicing with Moses, his sister Miriam, the music and the dancing and the singing, and this great song. It talked about uh, the nature of God, the person of God. It talked about the powerful promises of God. It went on to be sung as a song of victory and especially as a song of redemption. So that was the first song ever recorded in the Bible. The last song recorded in the Bible is found in Revelation also 15. So Exodus 15, Revelation 15, and it's called the song of Moses, but eventually in that 15th verse of Revelation is called the song of the Lamb. It celebrates God's judgment, celebrates God's power, and it celebrates, and it will happen, it celebrates certainly God's sovereignty. This morning we'd like to look at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 17 through 19, Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, and we'll have it on the screen, hopefully, and then we'll read a verse found in the 47th chapter of the book of Psalms. I want to read what Jack Hayford said, and I, I've read this introduction. It's on your paper over and over and over again, and, and I, I still am amazed at what he says and how he says it. Few believers understand the power of song. Worship is not just a warm-up to the sermon. Singing, he says, opens the way for an increase of the Holy Spirit's overflow in us. It is very important we understand that, that worship opens that way for the increase of the Holy Spirit and the overflow of God's Spirit in your and my life, as well as an unfolding of discernment regarding His will in our lives. And we'll read that in just a moment from Colossians. Song is a powerful instrument because it is so basic to worship. When it is worked out in the experience of our daily life, it becomes a manifestly powerful means of sustenance, triumph, creativity, deliverance, and ongoing growth and development in the way of the Lord. Now, I, I encourage you to take this home with you. First of all, I encourage you to take it home because I want you to go over this next week in your Bible study, if you will. It is a great outline, not because I have it, 
but it's just a great outline, great words. And also, Roman numeral number three. Those three I will not get to today. I might mention them, probably mention them, but next time I preach, I will be talking about the powerful. They're powerful. Songs are powerful. Someone said that uh, that Lucifer, and we know that that Lucifer was at one time in heaven. And someone said that Lucifer was actually the worship leader in heaven. How about that? Beautiful archangel. And it is quite possible, someone said, that Lucifer, another name for Satan, was originally an angel whose purpose was to be involved in the worship of God. Now, we do not know for sure, but the case can be made as we read from Ezekiel chapter 28. You were, Ezekiel's writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, you were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, the workmanship of your settings. That's timbrels and sockets. That's flutes was in you on that day that you were created, they were prepared. So when you think about singing, when you think about songs, we understand how important they are, how devastating they can be in the hands of the enemy, how evil they can be when sung by the world, worldly songs, ungodly songs, wicked songs, how, how they can certainly motivate people to do wrong things. Joseph Fletcher, the Scottish political activist of the 18th century, once said, listen to what he says, let me write the songs of a nation. I care not who makes its laws. Music can have a greater impact on the thinking and behavior of individuals than even the laws those individuals live under. So how important, how important songs are. But the gospel songs that you and I sing, and someone might say to me, Pastor, I can't sing. We all can make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And I would encourage you to sing more. I, for the last 20 years, and maybe even before, but especially for the last 20 years, I don't go to the hospitals and visit the sick and those that are suffering. Very seldom do I go that I don't, first of all, pray, and then I sing songs quietly, meditatively, reverently, I sing songs. It makes a big difference. I would encourage you as you visit the hospitals. You say, I can't sing. Speak them. Talk them. Because a lot of times it speaks definitely God's word. Grace, grace. God's grace. Grace that will pardon and cleanse within 
The last time I went to the hospital, I visited the intensive care unit. The nurse was constantly working with the patient. I politely sought her approval to allow me to sing a song. The machines were keeping this individual alive. And so I prayed and trusted God. And then I began to sing this song. Your grace and mercy has brought me through. And I don't know, the atmosphere began to change. Did God touch that person? That's between God and what his divine will is. I'll leave that in his hands. But I believe we need to understand the power of song. In fact, the Apostle Paul knew the power of songs as he writes to the church at Corinth. He writes to this church in Ephesians chapter 17. And listen to what he writes. Therefore do not be unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And that understanding, the Amplified says there, firmly grasp. Listen to me. We as God's people need to firmly grasp what the will of God is. We need to walk in his will. We need to live in his will. Understand what the will of God is. In verse 18, he says, And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation. And I don't have to probably explain that word to you, but there's some words that explains being drunken, being drunk on alcohol and allow it to control your life and along with it destroy many lives. Wickedness. Corruption. Here's one. Stupidity. Do not be drunk with wine which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. If you looked at that chapter and read verses 18 through 21, you'd see one sentence, just one sentence. Because Paul is carrying that thought on to be filled, filled with the Spirit. I like uh, what Paul is speaking here concerning the importance of allowing ourselves to be filled with the Spirit and singing the songs of Zion, God's songs. Look at your notes. First of all, we need to define the Spirit-filled life. What does a Spirit-filled life look like? What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? First of all, we have a new perspective. A new perspective. A real clear understanding what the will and the word of God is saying to us today. It is important. And we find in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, I want to read it with a living translation. I have never stopped thinking, Paul said, 
I have never stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly. I, I didn't give you this one, and I'm sorry it's not on the screen. Asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you wisdom to see clearly and really understand who Christ is. Paul has a concern. He has a concern for the church at Ephesus that they will be able to see Jesus Christ clearly and understand who he is. He said, I know Jesus. I've been knowing him for 30 years. I've been knowing him for 10 years, five years. Do we really know him? The only way that we can is through him by his spirit. <laughs> we can know about him. We can read about him. We can sing about him, but unless we know the Spirit. And Paul is saying here, he wants to give wisdom to see clearly and really understand who Christ is and all that he has done for you. I pray that your hearts, Paul goes on to say, will be flooded with light so that you can see something of the future he has called you to share. He says, I want you to realize that God has been made rich because we who are Christ have been given to him. That's, that's amazing to me that God has been made rich because his people have been given to him. He loves us. He loves us. I love my son. I love my daughter. And I have been enriched because God allowed us to have a son and a daughter. And that's the way it is with God. He's been enriched. Paul says, I pray that you will begin to understand how incredibly great his power is to help those who believe him. God has said, I want you to understand something. I want you to be able to comprehend the power. It is that same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor as God, at God's right hand in heaven. Power. Dunamis. The same power. Listen, he's saying that you and I can have bestowed towards us and given to us the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Boy, that's, that's the reason I'm saying there's no way. That's, I've said a lot and read a lot, and, and it's hard to comprehend. But God wants us to understand who Jesus is. He wants us to understand the love that he has for us. The devil tells you constantly, God don't love you. You're not good enough. You've not been good enough. You failed here. You failed there. God wants us to have his Holy Spirit to do those things for us. So he tells us to be filled with the Spirit. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Notice it with me. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. In all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts 
to the Lord. Living Bible says it this way. Let his words enrich your lives and make you wise. Teach them to each other and sing them out in psalms. It's time for the church to sing. You say, I'm going to enjoy listening to people on the radio. I like going to church and listening to people. It's time that the church, yeah, listen, but it's time for the church to open its mouth. It's time for the church to move its tongue. And words come out, singing unto the Lord, gracious unto the Lord. Throughout the scripture, the whole Psalms, David and others writing the Psalms were songs. And they're powerful. Teach them to each other and sing them out in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing unto the Lord with thankful hearts. Carol gets on me because I sing, I sing all the time. It bothers her. It's singing too much. I sing sometimes 10 and 20 songs a day. I just sing. But I love singing. I love singing to the Lord. I like recognizing his attributes and character and talk about the sovereignty and the greatness of our God. Oh, it's important that we, that we sing and sing unto the Lord. Sing unto the Lord. Notice, if you will, first of all, it gives us a clarity of his will, a clarity of his word. You can understand the word of God. You can understand his will. Second of all, to be spirit-filled, we have an ability. We have an ability. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus is about to be taken back to heaven. He looks at his 11 disciples on that hillside. And he said, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. There is an ability that comes with being filled with the Spirit. An ability. And folks, we need that. The church needs that today. The church is being shortchanged today. And people are dying in sin, bound by drugs and alcohol and evil. And we need to be able to have the power of God to lay our hands on the sick and watch them recover. To speak with new tongues. To preach the gospel under the anointing without compromise. The church needs that power. Jesus said to the disciples, you shall receive power. That new, dynamic power and ability flowing through the believer. I, I, I see writers all the time and commentary, commentators all the time. And, and, and I, I hear, listen, I'm not, I'm not here to argue with anyone. We're Pentecostal here. They're always saying you don't receive a second experience with God. 
Let me explain it to you. And I believe this is so scriptural. You say, preach, I don't believe you. Well, read the Bible. Read the book of Acts. Read the book of 1 Corinthians. Read the apostle Paul's writing. When you and I, when the unbeliever is saved, they, we have the Spirit of God. You don't get any more of the Spirit of God. That's where a lot of people misunderstand stands Pentecost. They think we get more of the Spirit of God. We don't get more of the Spirit of God. What happens, and it's so simple, and it's so well explained throughout the Scripture, even in the four Gospels, when we are saved, we receive the spirit of sonship. When we're baptized, he flows out of us. It's the difference between a fountain and a river. And John tells us that once he baptizes you out of your belly, out of your innermost being, shall flow what? How long has it been since you've had a river to gush out of you? Wow. The river to gush, to come. That's what happens. When you're saved, he comes in. When you're baptized, he flows out. And it's the flowing out that touches people's lives, touches people's hearts. David said, my cup runneth over. How long has it been since your cup the anointing, the Spirit of God, God's ability in your life, not you and I, but His ability in us have flowed out and touched people's lives. Peter said to the man at the gate, silver and gold have I none. <laughs> they hadn't been to the Bank of America yet and got their withdrawal, I guess. I don't know. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have. He was anointed by the Spirit of God. Give unto you. And he reached out, took him by the hand, and the man sprung up and started walking and leaping and jumping for joy. So, the characteristics and the way we know that we're we're filled. Listen, there's one baptism, many fillings. Say it with me. One baptism, many fillings. One baptism, many fillings. And you find that in the book of Acts. The Peter and James and John and the disciples and the early church was, was filled over and over and over again. And if I can drive my car down to the station, I can fill it up with gas, and I can start driving that car, and I can go from here to Burlington, here to Raleigh. I can go from here to Atlanta. And if I keep driving without putting any more gas in it, I'm going to run out of gas. And a lot of us have just simply run out of gas. you got to pull up to the spiritual station and be refilled again. Woo! How octane, high octane to believe it. Amen. Many refillings. And that's what he wants. And that's why Paul says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And then he ties in one way is through and by. He, he connects it 
certainly would worship. A new perspective, a new ability, and then a new communion. When they're rolling you down the corridor, a regional hospital, and you don't know what's on the other side of that door, because they're going to put you to sleep. And they're going to operate on you in this hour after hour and your wife is sitting down and she's wondering what's happening. Why are they taking so long? But as they're rolling you down on that stretcher, you can start singing a song in your heart. Listen at me. You can start speaking in tongues under your breath. You're not wanting to disturb anybody else. You can start praising God. And somehow, some way, God Almighty can give you a peace that passes all understanding. Communion. Communion with God. New perspective, a new ability, a new communion. Acts 2 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, Pastor, don't you know you're not talk, supposed to talk about being filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues on Sunday morning? That's a Wednesday night, that's a Friday night teaching. We all need to hear it, and you won't come on Wednesday night and Friday night. So I'm going to get it to you on Sunday morning. Speaking in tongues. If you don't speak in tongues, listen. I didn't buy my shoes just for the tongues. Okay, I want you to know that. I bought my shoes because I wanted these shoes. I just bought them yesterday. Good word shoes. I don't think that we ought to concentrate on tongues all the time, but I'm going to tell you, if you don't allow the Holy Spirit to minister through you and speak in tongues, you're missing so much. You say, Brother Don, that was done away with the apostles. Not by the hair of your chinny chin chin. It was not done away with. It's still true and real today. Listen at what Paul said right into the church at Corinthian, at Corinth, 1210. To another, the working of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, discerning of spirits. Do you, would you agree with me that we need that ability today to discern spirits? There are so many people and so many spirits that are out to deceive the church. We need discernment. We need to know the counterfeit. We need to know. You say, oh, I know this brother. I know this sister. I know this preacher. I know this church. Listen, a lot of good churches, but you better know that they preach and teach God's word and don't twist it around and do all kinds of things. Amen. To another working a miracle, another prophecy, another discern the spirit. To another different kinds of tongues. To another the interpretation of tongues. Now if we didn't need interpretation of tongues, Paul's wasting his time, wasting ink, putting it in here. We need that. We need that. 
The Amplified says in that 10th verse, the ability to distinguish sound godly doctrine from the deceptive doctrine of man-made religions and cults. And that's what the Holy Spirit can do. We don't need to be deceived. We don't need to be deceived. A new perspective, a new ability, a new communion. I've got a hush. I won't won't get to the third number three. I may not get to number two. The spirit-filled man, the spirit-filled woman, the spirit-filled church. Maintaining that spirit-filled flow. And how do we maintain it? Every believer should live a spirit-filled life. Amen. Amen. Number two, prayer is a means of being filled with the Spirit. Prayer is a means of being filled with the Spirit. Listen to this. Jesus said, go back to Jerusalem, tear in Jerusalem. They went back and they were tearing. Verse 1, I mean verse 14 of Acts 1. These all continued, about 120, I don't know how many, with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Listen, it was important. It was important. Let this sink into our minds and into our... It was important for the early church to spend time in prayer. Day after day in prayer. It's important today. We're not going to be victorious as we should. And the church is not going to be effective as it should unless we pray. Well, says, Brother Dawn, I pray. Do you? Do you? We have, we have collective prayer here. A lot. Or some. We have Sunday morning from 9 to 9.30. We have, Friday, we have Wednesday morning at 10 o'clock. I know most of you are working. You can't get here, and that's fine. We have Friday night from 7 to 8, and we lay before the Lord, and we pray. Somebody says, well, I don't have to be with anybody to pray. No, but the early church came together. I don't believe the early church would have received the outpouring of the Holy Spirit if they had not gathered together. How did Peter walk out of that jail? Because the church had gathered together. Get with other people and pray with other people. It's important that we join together. That's the reason that Durham Ministers in Prayer has been meeting for over 20 years on 9th Street every Tuesday morning at 9.30. Anywhere from 15 to 20, there are about, there are about 40 ministers that meet on Tuesday morning to pray together, Baptists, Pentecostals, Presbyterians, blacks, whites, Hispanics, we all come together as one. And guess what we do? You guessed it. And we refuse to allow the enemy or anybody to get us off track. Prayer, prayer, it is very important. We had someone that's meeting last Friday night, was a week ago, here at the church, so we had to have prayer at our home. And Friday night, we had about 15 to come into our house. It was an honor. It was an honor. We brought out chairs and sat here and sat there. And then we prayed for about an hour, and we prayed in this corner, in that corner. And we, Carol, Neil, myself, still talking about that prayer this yesterday. 
yesterday. Pray together. It will revolutionize your life. Not only is prayer a means of being spirit-filled, and I'm closing. Songful worship, notice your notes, is a means of being filled with the Spirit. I just read it into your Ephesians 5 and Colossians 1. And he talks about psalms. Listen, you sing the psalms. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Psalms 113. This is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. Oh, sing the Psalms over and over. And that's what the early church did. The early church didn't have the New Testament. The early church had the Pentateuch and it had, it had the Old Testament writings. They didn't have printing presses. How are they going to remember it? From person to person to person. But you know how they mostly were able to remember it? They sung it. You can remember a whole lot better when you sing it. Went to a rest home years ago. One of the members of the rest home was there. She didn't even know her own daughter. But we all walked around the halls and we sung. And she walked with us. And she sung every verse of every song that we sung. There's something about singing. God Almighty provided you and I for the ability to sing. And we need to utilize it. We need to sing. And we need to be part of the moving and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And we need to be filled with the Spirit. Psalms, hymns. Oh, don't you love the old hymns? Amazing grace. How great thy art, thou art. There is a fountain. All these old hymns. And then what is spiritual songs? I went digging. Not only psalms, not only hymns, but spiritual songs. Spiritual songs are impromptu, rhythmic lyrics. It's on your notes. Given by the Holy Spirit in one's language or tongues. 1 Corinthians 14. Now listen to this. I'm closing. Let's read it with me. 1 Corinthians 14, 14, 15. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. It passes my intellect, but my spirit is praying. Someone said, well, what good is it? How many of you know we need our spirit praying? We need the spirit of God to move in our spirit. But my understanding, my mind is unfruitful. That's okay. I said, well, it's unfruitful. Do we need it? Yes. Verse 15, what is the conclusion then? I will pray with the spirit. I will also pray with the understanding. I will Sing with the Spirit, singing in tongues, singing praise in prop tune rhythmic songs. Just they just come out. Hallelujah. It's so full of God. You just it's almost a babbling, but God understands it. God understands it. I will also sing with the understanding. Matt and the team. 
You notice at the bottom of your notes, look at the bottom of your notes. These are powerful. The song of battle. That in itself will bless you. Then you have the song of breakthrough. And then you have the song. This one will minister to you and bless you. The song of birthing. Isaiah chapter 54. Sing, O barren. How many of you feel barren sometimes? No purpose, not productive. Be here. Be here the next time I preach that sermon. Father, we love you today. We thank you for your time that you've blessed us here. We thank you for this message. Speak to our hearts. And God, help us to respond here at this altar, around this altar, that our hearts should be open. God, I pray that every man, every woman, every young person will be honest and open to your Holy Spirit today. In Christ's name we pray.